0: I'm the of Lee Gowland I'm Brian Davis and this is the 49
1: a faithful UK show Welcome back to another episode of the 49 a faithful UK show Believe it or not, this is episode 18. Didn't think we'd get this far, or I didn't think there'd be that many episodes in the season, but we've had quite a few. Sunday's game was by far the worst game in the shanahan Lynch era that I have seen. A completely lifeless, embarrassing performance where we looked offensively impotent for the majority of the game.
0: Yeah, it was just a horrendous and even more embarrassing weekend, wasn't it? To add to a number of embarrassing games and weekends this season. Um, I know I've kind of gone against this school of thought before, but the only real saving grace now is we might actually end up with the number one overall pick, mightn't we? So, any wins now, or between now and the end of the season, might not actually do us any favours.
1: Um, no, I agree there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just hard to watch now. Um you know, if anyone wants to come in and have some fresh eyes on the podcast and join us, because I'm kind of running out of things to talk about, really. Although we do have a, a quite large subject to, to dig our teeth into this week, so that that's given us something to sort of take take away our uh, our eyes from the games, really, hasn't it? So, but yeah, I mean, even sort of any excitement about watching some of these young prospects now is slowly sort of eking away Um, I know the injuries have been brutal this year but I think the failure to address certain aspects of the the defence is a failure that sort of lies at the feet of the GM and the front office really because we're now heading for another double digit loss season that's four in a row 10 in the last 20 years Statistically, we are one of the worst franchises in recent history now, minus the Harbour years. And, and this isn't a plea for Harbour. It's not a suck up to Harbour or anything like that because those days are behind us. It's pointless even looking back to those times now. But those are the only glimpses of any success really in recent times that we've had. Um, and it's just a, we're just sort of seemingly in this never ending circle of a, of a nightmare under the York stewardship really, aren't we? We've had multiple failed head coaches and multiple critically important drafts and, and appointments gone wrong and this year I think it is a mulligan we we have to kind of look at this year as a as pretty much written off as soon as um Jimmy G went down but <clears throat> excuse me to me now we've really got to start looking at we we need a super bowl and it needs to come by 2020 or 2021 to Try and put all of these last twenty, twenty-one years, twenty-two years, however it long may be, behind us to 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 move forward because we're just stuck in this rut at the minute, and things just keep escalating, and and we end up with situations that we found ourselves in as a franchise again this weekend.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the the game was bad enough; uh, it was just completely utterly lifeless, as I've said. But the events leading up to that game were diabolical on a Hall of Fame level. Reuben Foster, the the idiotic and cowardly actions of Reuben Foster, was in this instant actually dealt with swiftly and correctly by the organisation. And I, for one, will not miss that individual representing our team. No. I believe the NFL need to implement some sort of automatic life ban for any proven domestic violence charge. Uh, And I think a zero tolerance approach is the only way we can rid the league of this type of individual. I mean, what did you make of the Foster incident, Brian? Um, Well,
0: from sort of reading the the reports this week, it was a verbal altercation, and then he's slapped the phone out of her hand and he's pushed her in the chest and slapped her in the face. And apparently, she had a scratch on her face and a cut on her, around her collarbone or something, wasn't it? And, And this is an on off relationship. And. It's the same woman as before. It's the same woman who filed the charges and then decided to say that she'd actually lied and recanted anything about what had happened in a previous um, domestic violence um, arrest that he he had. He's also had, obviously, the marijuana possession back in January. And then he was also caught in possession of an assault rifle along when he was done for the previous domestic violence charge in February. And I mean, that the combination of those three alone gave him a two game ban from the league. And yeah, like you say, now it's probably going to be that it's most likely going to miss what, at least a season, I would say. And I, th- I think the thing that's most annoying and frustrating is basically that the team have said, if you spend any more time with this woman or lay your hand on a woman again, then you're done. And Although that's not been confirmed as, you know, exactly what was said, you have to think that that's pretty much got to be what was said, hasn't it? Really, because, and, and 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 I know it's not even just that, is it? It's you're, you're punching a woman for God's sake! It, like yeah. you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to stipulate that to to a man, should you? It, it's like it's just stupidity beyond. I can't comprehend how stupid that is, and. And and the fact that he's allowed her to go thousands of miles away from San Francisco and Santa Clara and to happen in the team hotel. I yeah, mean Yeah, you couldn't make it up. I mean she quite possibly she might have ended his career. And, honest, and, I think she has. Yeah, and when she said back in February when all these initial charges were going, that was what she wanted to do. You know, that's on that's on, on record. So, could it be a season ban? I think Roger Goodell probably going to try and make another statement in with this, as, as he probably as he did with Alden Smith. And I was trying to look back through similar examples of um, suspensions and things, but when you actually <laughs> when you actually look at the suspensions in the NFL since about the year ninety nine two thousand, there's hundreds. Absolute, there's, there's, there's literally hundreds, and the, the list takes quite some believing if you actually if you actually look through and if, if you look through the history that there, there isn't that many actual suspensions before that kind of before we've moved into this new era of of suspension so I I can't think back to how long ago that was about 18 19 years ago now so I can't remember if there was anything that happened back then in terms of league suspensions or or whether something changed back then um that was a long time ago now so my memory is a little hazy of of uh, back when I was 18, 19, 20. I probably wasn't paying as much attention to the NFL as maybe I should have been. But
1: To be honest, it probably wasn't widely reported as it is today.
0: Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. But I mean, I just think, like, where's his head in, in this situation? To be doing this the night before a game in a team hotel, um, to, to me, he doesn't care about football, he doesn't care about the 49ers and he doesn't care about his career um he quite clearly doesn't understand the seriousness of the situation that he keeps putting himself in and you can use his upbringing as an excuse or a pardon as i've seen bounded around this week some people will try to use that but i still don't think that that's a valid excuse he's in a toxic relationship it's just common sense it's it's uh, he just doesn't have any does he and uh, I, I just don't know I mean fair play to the 49ers yeah. you know John Lynch has, has released him he knew where he stood mixed it up with this woman again and you're done um, I hope that he didn't actually get a chance to fly back on the team play and I hope he had to basically sort out his own um, you know transport, transport. back to, to Santa yeah. Clara um, but that said he needs help um, the league need to help him out uh, it's not the 49ers problem now it's Washington's problem Um You know, it's it's the and not only that it isn't the second instance of domestic violence with this girl because I read over the weekend or through this week that apparently the police were called to his property or her property last month after labour's reported loud voices and arguments um, from from their their dwelling last month and apparently the organisation have denied knowing anything about this but. You have to think that somebody knew. Someone knew what was going on. Yeah, um, and also, I've heard this week that the Santa Clara DA may even reopen those previous charges that she canted now.
1: Yeah, I read that as well.
0: So yeah, he could be royally, royally screwed.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you said, I, per- personally, I do honestly believe that that is career over. I, I think Roger Goodell would be looking to make an example. I was trying to remember how long the ban was that Rhea Rice got I think that was a year-long ban, a season ban. So, I mean, that that must be the marker, at least, for Ruben Foster. But when you have a look at all the rest of the stuff he's done, it's debatable whether he throws him out of the league altogether. And I think that needs to happen, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. it kind of leads you to the question about what sort of characters we're drafting. And I don't know there's been sort of questions about, um, John Lynch and, and what he's been, been up to in terms of the players he's picking up. But I think in this next draft, we really need to be going after the squeaky clean characters. We've really got to dig deep into, into these guys past and, and really sort of drill down into what's gone in in their past. Where have they come from? Where are they currently at mentally? Are there any question marks, any red flags, about any anything that's happened with them, and you've, you've got to go out there and get players with zero baggage and yeah John Lynch has said you can't you can't play scared, but we keep making these mistakes. Alden Smith was domestic violence. he was drunk all the time. he had a hit and run. you know we had Re- Reuben Foster the first time. We've had Chris Culliver in recent times when he had obviously the gay comments and then he was involved in a hit and run because he had a cyclist and then he was in possession of a knuckle duster. Ray McDonald again not too you know not too far away in, in the distant past was done for sexual assault and then another domestic violence after he went to the Bears. Bruce Miller so was, of all yeah. people got done for domestic violence, didn't he? I mean, these are people yeah, that did. we've we've only had over the last three, three or four seasons. But so I, I, I disagree say is... with sorry, just to carry on. I just, I, yeah. I, I just think that I strongly disagree with John Lynch in the fact that when he says that the team can't play scared you have to. You, you, we can't keep having the, these situations occur time after time after time. We need to go out there and we need to draft Mike McGlinchey sort of type person, the Patrick Willis's of the world, not the next person on a growing list of costly mistakes. We, 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 you know, I don't want any more bad eggs, more incidents, more bad press that we've had around this team for the last few years, and that includes the the core, poor coaching hires. You know, we've got to turn the tables and win the right way and go out and get the best people.
1: So, yeah, completely agree with all of that. Um, I didn't agree with John Lynch when he turned around and said that you can't play scared as far as this drafting policy is concerned. Uh, but what I was going to say is this is the first case of anybody that John Lynch has brought in doing this. And we're going to find out now what type of GM John Lynch really is. Absolutely. It's fair yeah. enough him saying you can't play scared. But my good feeling is he's going to double-triple-check everybody that he brings on from now on. Yeah, Um, Because, like you said, you can't do it anymore. You just can't do it. You can't put the organisation in that position. You can't put the rest of the roster in that position where you've got this individual who's going to be a complete distraction and, to be honest, shouldn't really be a sportsman. No. So it is going to be interesting to see what we do this off-season, how John Lynch approaches both free agency, the draft, undrafted free agents, and to see what type of player we bring in, like you said, if, if there's any hint of somebody having a uh, a reputation as a troublemaker, give them a give him a country mile, yeah. walk away from them, give them a wide berth, and we just can't do it.
0: Um, and so, I mean, as a franchise, I think we need to look at what we're offering players as well, because these things keep coming up. I know you can't hold an adult's hand twenty four seven, but as a team, as a franchise, do we offer enough? Is there more we can do? You know, we we see that there's these rookie symposiums that take place. I think it's around the combine time, isn't it? That they do that. Yeah. But but as a as a franchise and as a as a football team, what could, you know, what more can we do to stop these situations happening with our players? Because I think that needs to be evaluated. Because the problem keeps occurring, and we keep going after. Well, some of these players seem perfectly fine and perfectly normal when you sort of and two start scratching around underneath the surface but yeah what what more can we do as a franchise to to help these players as well
1: so i think with the ruben foster case what what i would have expected and it was something that uh, we discussed within the group last season was an experience a, a veteran hand to guide them along and we had that in navarro borman but then we let him go because Bowman wasn't happy not being in every-down linebacker. And I think we we lost a lot there. We didn't just lose leadership on the field and and as player, but also off the field, somebody who was going to mentor Foster. We lost that, and I think that makes a big difference as well. So this season we've got Richard Sherman, who's definitely stepped up as Mm. a a veteran head on that team. You've always got Joe Staley on the offence. He's he's the main focus of that offense as far as veteran leadership is concerned.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think had we had one one or two more players like that, potentially things might have been different.
0: Well, Malcolm Smith was said, there as well. You... There's the people are there, the players are there. Yeah. You know, Warner, yeah. Warner's obviously in, 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 a, a rookie, but it, yeah, Malcolm Smith is a veteran about, leader. Yeah,
1: I I don't know what we could do as an organisation to make it any better than what what we are doing at the moment. yeah But then again, I mean, it's 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 something that nobody knows about. We don't know what they do. It's all nah. down to player engagement. Um. Obviously, the head of player engagements switched over during the off season. Last season it was Keena Turner. Um. He got promoted into the front office with John Lynch, and I can't remember the name of the person that took over as the player engagement rep. Um. That's not an excuse either because Foster was here last year and obviously he went into the off-season and he's had all these problems. But yeah, just so frustrating, especially when we actually moved up into the first round. So that cost us quite a bit. It was a gamble and it was a gamble that didn't pay off.
0: Mm.
1: Obviously, it's easy to say that with hindsight. It it could have went exactly the opposite way. He could have been squeaky clean and he could have ended up in the Hall of Fame. But it hasn't happened. And obviously... The season we've had, and that it starts to make you ask questions.
0: Yeah, and so, if you I mean, look at the season that Water was having as well, it it just it's another case of what might have been for the 49ers, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we'll get by with what we've got now, and um, it, it's and now it's another big hole on the defense that we've got to go and fill in the off season. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's it's just more more expense in going out and probably getting a free agent linebacker you you can sort of maybe plug in for a season or so. In the same way that Malcolm Smith should have done this year, but he hasn't done it, has he? He's he's not really uh, contributed spectacularly as as we... Or maybe not spectacularly is probably the wrong word, but he hasn't probably contributed as well as as we all expected him to this season, has he?
1: No, not at all. And to be honest, I think the form of Fred Warner made it easier for the 49ers to release... Ruben Foster. This time,
0: yeah, and I say you just plug plug in the, the likes of Elijah Lee and Malcolm Smith now for the rest of the season, and we are just trying and get by with what we've got. Yeah, but it, it does when you when you look at the, the 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 needs of the team now for the off season. Offensively, I still think we're we're not that far away. We obviously need a, a legitimate go to number one wide receiver. Obviously, quarterbacks fine, running back we're more than fine tight end. I think we're more than fine there. We could maybe do with a bit of an upgrade as, as a second tight end instead of select time possibly. Um, O-line, I think the O-line have performed superb this season, but I think you, you should always probably add add a body on the O-line at some point. Mike Person is a prime example this year of someone who was just a body, who was added, who's come in and performed admirably. Yeah,
1: He stepped up. He's
0: been really good this season. Um, that's the you know, you've got to go out and, and and try and fill a void there at some point. And as much as I want him to, Joe Staley isn't going to be around forever, so you're potentially looking somewhere at, at maybe moving McGlinchey over to left tackle at some point and bringing in a, a new right tackle, possibly in the mould of McGlinchey somewhere. And then, so if I'm, I, I'm honest, if I'm
1: honest, I think next season was going to be Joe Staley's last season, yeah. And I think. The, the way they were looking at it, they thought they had a two-year window. Well, not a two-year window. I think they were thinking within two years, with Garoppolo as quarterback, they'd end up in the Super Bowl. And yeah. I think Joe Staley was thinking, yeah, I've got two years left in us. But definitely, the at the end of next season, I think that's it for Joe. I think he's done. Yeah, he could be right. So you're right. We we do need to... I mean, we found his replacement in McGlinchey. That's why he was picked. Yeah. And he's put over to the right for the first couple of seasons while Joe's still playing and then he'll eventually switch over to the left but we, we need to replace McClinchy now at right tackle
0: yeah and then you switch over the defensive side of the ball I mean there's holes everywhere we, we need pass, pass rush we're now going to need uh, upgrading in linebacker we need another cornerback we need another safety uh, I mean there's holes all over the defence It's uh, that's going to be where Alongside a, a number one wide receiver, that's where all of the money is going this year, next yeah. year, now as it is. Yeah, I agree.
1: So, back to the game on Sunday. <sighs> um, the negatives. <laughs> yeah, the, the negatives I've cut down. I've got it down, down even is, more. <laughs> yeah. I'll I, I tell you what. So, obviously, the meetup was Sunday and the meetup was absolutely fantastic. The only. So, my brother, my elder brother who was there, he's a Vikings fan. And even he turned around and said, you know what, today's been absolutely fantastic. The only thing that actually spoiled (laughs) it was the 49er game. (laughs) And he was right, because it was utter garbage. I mean, Mullins was shown up to be a third-string quarterback all game. He made poor decisions. He held the ball far too long. He can't sell the play action, and it's putting the running back at a disadvantage immediately. And some of his throws are going to end up injuring our players, our receivers they're just far too tiny. He's still thrown into triple coverage. On the defence, the pass coverage was so poor, even Sherman had a nightmare. Mike Evans had him in his pocket all game. And I think the last negative I've got down here is we've got another four games to suffer. Yeah, I
0: mean, I'm not going to say much about the game, which means I'll probably waffle on for about five minutes now. But yeah, it's the same old story, (laughs) same old problems. We're in the same old situation over and over again. And that, probably was our last winnable game for the season um, yeah, depending on what definitely. happens in week 17 every aspect of the game was poor uh, I have absolutely no problem in Carl as our head coach anyone calling for him to be fired clearly isn't thinking straight and needs to give their head a little bit of a wobble I would say um, as we've just said or, and as we'll go on to talk about I think the jury is still out somewhat on John Lynch um, the Ruben Foster example is is a sort of prime example of that really and um, yeah, let's just say in a hypothetical situation that Carl Shannon was fired, which he won't be and which I don't want him to be, he'd have he'd have a job in minutes. Absolute minutes, let alone days or hours. So yeah, negatives, pretty much everything. Secondary were poor. They had receivers open all day, didn't they? Uh, we didn't have any pass rush. Like you said there, Sherman was abused by Evans and Evans has history against Sherman when Sherman was in Seattle, so that wasn't overly surprising. Yeah, Mullins was poor. Um, It wouldn't surprise me to see Bathard back at some point this season. I know Mullins hasn't been given the nod for the game in Seattle, but Mullins was starting to hold on to the ball for too long again, wasn't he? In the same way that CJ was, and in the same way that Garoppolo was as well. He missed some open receivers. Uh, We were stuffed on the goal line twice, weren't we? I mean, I thought we were actually in on both of those runs, but it was very, very hard to...
1: I thought we were definitely rebates, in on the um, brader run, the second down.
0: Yeah.
1: And unfortunately, so, so on Sunday uh, at the meetup in Manchester, the biggest concern I had was the streaming of the game um, via Game Pass. But it turned okay. out that it was actually really good, uh, and the quality of the stream was really good. I think we had almost near high definition quality. It dropped out once during the whole game. Uh, it was on that second down. So we saw that second down go in, but we didn't see whether or not it was challenged. By the time the stream came back up, we'd already had the third down attempt mm. and we were kicking the field goal.
0: <laughs> so I don't know why Juice wasn't used in that situation. No. I mean, it's a beggar's belief as to why he wasn't there. Um, I thought that was the O-line's poorest game as well. Mullins seemed to be under pressure for far too long. Um And we lost the turnover, battle. we didn't turn the ball over once again. And on third downs, we were one of eight. So, yeah, not a great day and another poor day for Robert Salah's CV.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, positive-wise, Jeff Wilson looked good when he had the ball in his first game for us. He did, yeah. That was quite pleasing. Pettis was targeted more and he had a decent game, to tell you the truth. He did, yeah. Breda continues to run the ball well. And Kittle, even though he's double-covered for most of the game, still managed 48 yards. And, I mean, it was pretty much every single down, those two people running with Kittle. So, yeah. That that was pleasing to see he could still make yards even when he's double-covered. And the, the last positive I've got, you, you've already mentioned it, and it was a tongue-in-cheek one. And I know people aren't looking at it as a tongue-in-cheek positive anymore, but we are cementing that number one overall pick. So, yeah. Yeah, those are my positives from
0: that game. Yeah, yeah, Warner did well. I thought Buckner was the only, or Warner and Buckner were the only real people that did anything defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alfred Morris was inactive. And it is nice to see Jeff Wilson. And, you know, I hope Matthew Days gets a, a stab at it as well because, like we've said before, we've got nothing to lose now, have we? So, yeah. get him out there. Let's have a look at him. Let's evaluate for next season and. It's going to be tough watching these next few games. Seattle twice in three weeks is just—it's just a nightmare when you're in this situation isn't it? with just two wins on the board and and yeah, it's Seattle. Not the best game to be going up to. Yeah, Seattle are meant to be rebuilding this year. They're they're heading towards the playoffs again. Yeah. And as much as it pains me to say it, they're what we should aspire to be. Yeah, definitely. And that's the, the same. They seem to be able Hang on a to minute. turn around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> Slap myself in the face. <laughs>
1: right. They seem to be able to turn around a, a huge amount of their roster and, and lose key players and, and still come up with a half decent season. Yeah, and as just... you said, they are pushing for the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So before so we, we actually get on to go, oh, go on then.
1: Okay then. No, no, we'll 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 do the preview and then I'll I'll do that bit about uh, John Lynch that I want to get out the way. Okay, yeah, sure. So I mean Seattle lead the series twenty three fifteen and they've got a nine game winning streak. Yeah. That is utterly depressing. You have to go back to twenty eleven for the last time the forty nine ers won in Seattle. I don't expect that to change this Sunday. I think all the attention is going to be on the reception that Sherman gets on his first return to Seattle. Mm. Sunday's game would be the perfect time for him to to get his first pick as a 49er. I think the 49ers fan desperately needs something to cheer at the moment. And watching Cheaty Pete's face as Russell Wilson is picked off by Sherman would be the perfect tonic, if I'm <laughs> honest. Even if we lose the game, just to see Pete Carroll's face. And if he does pick him off, I'd love him to do what... Um, I can't remember, was the the Browns player who, who got the pick and took the ball over to Hugh Jackson. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, that was brilliant.
1: I, I'd Hugh love Jackson him to do that. didn't
0: did he? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> you could hardly punch him.
0: Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I, I'd love that type of reaction if he does get the pick. Um, but, yeah, and something I say every week, and I hate myself for saying it because it never, ever works out that way, and the age old saying it is, you don't play a game on paper. However, on paper, the teams look quite evenly balanced hmm. when you look at the offense, the defense, and, and that's that's what makes it so utterly crazy the situation we currently find ourselves in. That there's not much in it at all. And in fact, I've got one stat. So on the offense, the Seahawks are only averaging point one of a yard more than what we are. That's how really? close it is on offense. So they are 16th in yards with 355.3 yards average a game. We are 17th with 355.2 yards. <laughs> it is that close. And some of the other categories are very, very close. And one one of the surprising ones was the Seahawks actually uh, ranked first in rushing, which I hadn't realized that they were having such a good year running the ball. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do against us on Sunday. So you've already mentioned uh, Nick Mullins has been named as starter again for this game. Which, yeah. if I'm honest, that's quite a surprise. I thought he played poor enough to warrant Bethard coming back in for this game, but by the looks of it, the coach and staff need to see as much regular season game time as possible, because one or the other will not be on the roster next season. Mm. One of them will be gone. So I think it's evaluating who is going to fill that backup role, whether or yeah, not it's definitely. going to be Bethard or whether or not it's going to be Mullins. And I think it'll all come down to how well Mullins reacts to the last two games he's played.
0: And this because is going to be his biggest Shana, challenge yet?
1: Definitely. I mean, that that stadium's going to be deafening for him. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does do. I mean... As far as the game itself goes, it's easy to pinpoint where we need to improve on last week and to keep the score respectable, and that is everything other than running the ball. Mm. We need to improve everything. I think Kittle might have more freedom than he did last week. The Seahawks don't typically run double coverages on receivers. I don't think they'll change this time because of the way they set up the defence. They basically play basic packages and say, come and beat us. So uh, I'd be very surprised if we do see Kittle double coverage, double covered this week. But it might happen. But hopefully Kittle does have a little bit more freedom. And then that might allow us to get some points on the board. But yeah. again, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel bad for saying this, but I genuinely might just watch Red Zone on <coughs> Sunday and <laughs> let let them cherry-pick the best or the worst bits for me to watch whilst i watching whatever the other games are that are on us in the same uh, same time zone um, yeah the, the recent games have been hard to watch this is going to be no different whatsoever um, they're on a hiding to nothing with the crowd aren't they and, yeah, and you, yeah. I think you're right in what you say there that this would be they've probably got one balance because if he can do something if he can do anything show signs of doing something in, in that environment then he quite possibly becomes your your backup man for next season, and, and then they go with uh, working on you know what they can with him rather than and then try and get anything you know you know for CJ at some point in the off season. So yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about what looks like an impending defeat. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean that um, that was it for me. So I was just going to yeah, go straight I mean, into the over under.
0: Yeah, Wilson's only picked, thrown five picks this year. I, I think the best thing for me that could happen is on the. Wilson's first throw of the map of the game that Sherman picks him off and 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 we start start on on a high and then it's probably all downhill from there so you know he's gonna play well he always tears us a new one he always seems to have that bit of magic against us quite frankly he makes me sick um, yeah yeah just it, it it's it's not gonna be pretty yeah um, my prediction, um, what's the over under on this?
1: So the over under is 46, and Seattle are 10 point favourites.
0: 46, Seattle might score 46 themselves. Ah, so I haven't gone with that. I, I... So I actually think it's going to be
1: under. Do you? Under the 46. I do, yeah. And I, th- I think it's going to be Seahawks win. And I think the Seahawks will win at 28 15.
0: I a think it's going to be Gould. Rule, uh, first <laughs> for, yeah. Well, my my prediction. <laughs> and I need the
1: kicker to step up.
0: Yeah. Well, I've got Robbie Gould in my team this week. only because I had the Kansas City kicker for the rest of the season. He was on a bye last week. So Gould nice. was available in, in one of my leagues, so I picked him up. So I think Robbie Gould's probably gonna score our only points until garbage time and then we're we're gonna get a, a garbage time, meaningless, pointless touchdown for someone somewhere. But I think by that point, we're uh, we're well out of it. And I think Seattle are going to destroy us. And it's going to be about 41-16. If you, if you look at 16. the fact that the Buccaneers beat us just by 20, odd, 20 points, and we only scored nine points there, it's going to be bloody yeah. hard to score more than nine points in, in Seattle. And I think that's why we're probably going to probably end up kicking three field goals. And I say we'll probably get a garbage-time touchdown and... Sorry, I can't be any more positive than that, but it—it's just—it's on the cards, isn't it? Yeah, definitely.
1: Right, let's quickly go back to John Lynch then. So obviously, after the after the incident with Ruben Foster, there was a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of talk in some of the NFL groups on Facebook that John Lynch is, John Lynch is absolutely garbage. He doesn't know what he's doing.
0: Yeah, some so of the groups on Facebook we, aren't the best place to be after a loss.
1: No, they're not. <laughs> I mean,
0: we, we all no, knew we don't, don't take this the wrong way, American friends, but the American ones are the worst.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction going oh, on there. Oh, God, isn't
0: there ever? Yeah.
1: So so we all knew he was a rookie GM with no front office experience, and we all accepted this fact when he was hired. And, and once again, it was made perfectly clear how long the process was going to take. Mm. When you look at the players that Lynch has brought in, he's definitely improved the roster from the bare cover that was left by Trent Bulkey. Well, there's and not it, many of his
0: boys left, is there?
1: There's not. If we quickly break it down, and I've put some comments, just short comments against some of the players. So, 2017, I'll first pick Solomon Thomas. He's not worth just the yourself. number three pick with the, with the job he's done so far, but they are moving him inside, and I think he will improve. So... Yeah, jury's out on that one. We moved up into the first round to take Reuben Foster. We can now <laughs> definitely say that Campbell did not pay off. and no. That was a major mistake. Next was a killer we- Witherspoon. Sorry. His first season was absolutely excellent. No idea what's happened this season. So there's a question mark over whether or not he can rebound from this season and produce like he did the first season.
0: Playing like he spends his time in Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so later on in the third round, we move up again and we pick CJ Bethard. He should have more wins than what he currently does have in his win loss column. Yeah, and I don't well, think that's losses. all on him. Yeah, I think he's still a viable backup who, who we can develop. And just to make everybody aware, your backup's not there to get you to the Super Bowl. That'll yeah. happen once in a lifetime, like Nick Falls.
0: Mm.
1: That that's not what your backup's there for. Your backup is your last resort because you you you, ne- you always hope that your your first ring quarterback's not going to get injured. So I think yeah. he's still a viable backup. However, there's a very good chance he's not going to be here next season and we keep Mullins.
0: Yeah. And it's worth so, saying with CJ that and um, probably with the guy who's coming up with the next pick is these aren't John Lynch's players. These were Kyle Shanahan's hand-selected players. The third-round yeah. pick in CJ, and probably the guy who's going to be next on your list, which would be the fourth-round pick.
1: Yeah, so the fourth-round pick, Joe Williams. To me, that was a complete waste of a pick. We, we, yeah, that was, Kyle will-
0: uh, that was Kyle Shanahan's pick. That one. He's yeah. obviously seen we, we something him in him, and, we never and he's, him. he's yeah, he's made him. He's told Lynch to draft him.
1: Yeah, so I, t- I just can't understand that one. So that, that that was a complete waste, and that was a bust. Then we've got our two fifth-round picks, George Kitlin, and Trent Taylor. Yeah, I would say both of them are good picks. Trent Taylor's productivity has declined this season. He's had um, surgery for his back in the off-season. I'm hoping that once Garoppolo gets back in, because he was a favourite target of Garoppolo, that he'll pick up again next season, and we'll see a lot more productivity from him.
0: Yeah, he's not turned into that sort of Edelman character that we were hoping for this season as he's... Uh...
1: No, he has been bypassed um, the
0: season hasn't he? With uh, he Richie has, James yeah. and and those guys, Pettis coming into the team. So it's a shame because I, I really like what I saw of him in, in Pettis last season. So yeah, hopefully he'll still be with us next season um, to sort of come in and, and play the part of a number four, number five type wide receiver who's a good, reliable sort of slot guy with with good hands. Yeah,
1: hopefully. So on on the 6 round picks that we had, DJ Jones. I don't think he's seen much playing time at all, so we can hardly make a judgment on that. He might be good, he might not. He just needs to get the snaps and we need to see him in a regular season game for a sustained amount of time. The the second pick in the sixth round, and I will pronounce his surname incorrectly here, is Peter Taumopino, I think that's how he's pronounced it, who's a linebacker, and I don't think he's had a single snap. I can't remember him being on the field so the jury's still out on him but he is a yeah. part of the roster and then on the seventh round we picked up Adrian Colbert who had an excellent first season so much so that uh, we felt we could get rid of Eric Reed, or only offer him a one year contract obviously this season he's been absolute garbage and it's similar to Witherspoon can he bounce back next season and actually produce the same sort of form he did in his rookie season now Before that draft, we had some uh, free agents that we picked up, and I'm just going to go through the ones that were good pickups. So we had Juice, we had Goodwin, Brock Coyle, Dakota Watson, and Robbie Gould. All five of those were really good pickups. It was a real
0: unspectacular free agency, wasn't it, in terms of those names? But those guys have come in and performed way above probably what any of us thought all of them were going were capable of and were going to do.
1: That's right, and and not one of those are what you'd call a sexy pick. Now, no, somebody I've missed out there who, who would have been classed as the sexy pick, and I've missed him out because I think he's been a bust, is Paul Carson. Yeah. I think he's been a bust, so I missed his name off that one. Now, after the draft, we also had some undrafted picks that uh, have turned out to be quite good. Matt Breda, Eric Magnuson and Kendrick Bourne. They're all useful players of differing degrees. Obviously, Matt Breda's turned out to be absolutely excellent. Um, Kendrick Bourne is starting to come through now. And when Magnuson comes in uh, and subs for one of the uh, offensive linemen, he plays a really good game. So I think all of those were quite good uh pickups.
0: I think it's fantastic when you can pick up three undrafted free agents after the draft who all come in and contribute in some form that there's probably not many teams who have got or certainly getting a production out of a a running back in the, in the way that we are. Um, and yeah, it's nice to have the the likes of Magnuson and Bourne who can come in and, and do a job. And and yeah, people might say that that you should be, they shouldn't just be coming in and doing a job, but they've, that's why they're undrafted free agents at the end of the day. And yes, we probably shouldn't be settling for people coming in and doing a job, but at the minute, we ain't got any blooming choice. That's, that's yeah. where we are.
1: <laughs> so on the 2018 off-season, and I'll start with free agents first. So Richard Sherman, that was a hit, definitely. He's been worth it. The only other one that I'm going to mention is Western Richburg, who's been a major disappointment for me. Um, he's looking at having his worst year in the NFL so far. He did actually look as though he was a very good pickup based on the body of work he'd done previously at the Giants. But for some reason, it just hasn't been his year. I, I don't know if the change in quarterback has a huge impact on the centre. I, I would have thought it would be the opposite way around. The change of a centre would have a huge impact on a quarterback. But... Um, but it could be the whole cadence. That could be a different uh, impact to Western Richburg. So the jury's still out on him, but let's see how he performs next year. Onto the draft, Mike McGlinchey, that's a hit. Second round, Dante Pettis. I think he needs more game time. I don't think we can make that decision yet. I'd like to see him play for the rest of the season as a starting wide receiver and let's see what sort of numbers he puts up. He put up a decent number against the uh, Bucks, and that was in a terrible game. We, we weren't really moving the ball that well and he still put up, I think, 78 yards. So, yeah, more game time for Petters. Yeah, he needs to Third justify round. the price
0: tag, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And the, I don't the price get tag why we're not up in the yeah, I, don't, I don't get why we're not using him as a kick returner and a punt returner because he led the NCAA in kick return and punt returns yeah we've got Richie james back there i don't know whether it's because they want to protect him and they don't want any more injuries but if you've got a weapon who can change a game with a kick return or a punt return hello <laughs> use him you know, yeah devin yeah, Hessler and and the, you know the likes of those guys who they, they can change a game with, with one kick return and tip the balance straight back in your favor after a score use him try him so let's yeah. see what happens
1: so first pick of the third round, Fred Warner, definitely a hit. He's been excellent. Um later on in the third round, we took Tavarius Muir, who hasn't really seen that much game time, if any at all. I think he has been on the field a few times. Yeah. Um so it I mean, you've got Tavarius Muir in the fourth round, you've got Kent Kent tavi Street. Fifth round, you've got D.J. Reed. sixth round, Marcel Harris, seventh round, Julian Taylor, and at the end, you've got Richie James. Out of all of them, there's only Richie James that has actually seen much game time. D.J. Reed has, uh, but I think it's still too early to, to make a judgment on any of those. They could yeah. either be a hit or a miss. And then into the undrafted free agents again, that's where we pick up Jeff Wilson. And based off how we played against the Bucks, I think that's a decent pickup. I'm looking forward to seeing him getting a lot more of the ball in the next four games. So, based off the players that John Lynch has brought in, he's definitely had a lot more hits than misses at the moment. But the years are still, a lot of the players, the jury's out because they need more game time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and in terms of draft, people always say, you know, you just look back in, what, three years rather than immediately or straight after or even a year later. So... You know Lynch has still got a lot of leverage at this point in, in in terms of where he's at with his drafts and and uh, free agency periods. But I think if he if he if it goes wrong this year and we're in a similar position to where we are now at this time next next year, then I think at that point then people have got a a right to start questioning things. But until then, I, I think there's there's no problem with uh, with Lynch and and Shanahan at this moment in time and. Really, we should probably review the draft of three years ago and sort of see where it uh, where it sort of uh, went wrong there. Really, which would be what bulk is last. That, that'd be uh, the GM last one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It that's be the where GM, it went yeah, wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Completely agree. I mean, next year, if we don't, if we have a losing season next year, even if it's just under um, say seven and nine, that's still a disaster. Yeah, I, I think it needs to be at, like, at least eight and eight. Preferably over. And uh, to be honest, we, we, we need to be we need to be coming into weeks thirteen and fourteen still talking about our playoff chances.
0: That's nice that's to what would be home field advantage. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I'll take yeah. playoffs. <laughs> it would be I'm fantastic. Not, I'm not too greedy. Yeah, I'm not too greedy.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think next season if we're not talking about our playoff chances in weeks thirteen and fourteen. I think it's been a underwhelming season. Yeah, it, it needs to change. So the the last thing I've got to say um, off this week is that obviously thank you to everyone who managed to make the meetup uh, on Sunday in Manchester. I think it's fair to say that everybody enjoyed themselves despite the team's best efforts to dampen our spirits. Between myself. Andy Hodgson and Paul Hope, we had discussed meeting up over the Super Bowl weekend up in Newcastle um, to watch the game together. Obviously, we're all local to the northeast, And I said, yeah, it'd be a good idea. In fact, I'll open it up to the rest of the group and we'll have an official meetup. up And to be honest, I think it's quite a good weekend for a meetup up because I think most NFL fans are exactly the same. When it gets to Super Bowl Sunday, everybody takes the, the Monday off because yeah. they know what state they're going to be in because everybody everybody has a good drink during uh, the Super Bowl weekend. So I think that would be the perfect uh, time to try and swell the numbers a bit and get more people involved. So we'll be publishing details once we get the information back ourselves. I've already approached a bar up in Newcastle who do show the Super Bowl over the weekend, and I've asked them for prices um, and what what it entails basically what time it starts what time it finishes so once i get all that information i'll post that and i'm also checking a few hotels around newcastle to find out if we can get discount for group bookings as well so hopefully that'll be a a really good weekend we've already had some interest in it and um, we've definitely got four people that are going or four or five people that are going and i, I think people are a lot more open to this weekend one, because it is three months away, and they would normally have the Monday off anyway. So this week, I do not have any tips. I have actually exhausted all my tips, unless I remember one in, in the coming weeks. I think that's all my tips for San Francisco done.
0: Yeah, I How about yourself, had a, Brian? a quick think this afternoon, and and I thought, I, I can't really think of anything else that springs to mind off the top of me. I would have to... Do, uh... Go with what you said the other day about going back through your photos and uh, see... That. Oh, yeah, I'll talk about that. But in terms of Newcastle, um, that should be a really good weekend. Um, the last time I went to Newcastle was about 10 years ago. Yeah, it would have been 9, nine 10 years ago. And it was, I think it was just the week before the Super Bowl. Um, I went up there to watch Reading and we lost 3-0 up there. But before... Um, half past five, uh, we'd literally seen a man and a woman fighting outside a pub, uh, a man throwing up in a Greg's shop window, and a, and a queue for a nightclub. And I just, it's like a different world, isn't it? it <laughs> and is. this was at sort of half past five at night. I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. I had a text from me, mate, at lunchtime to say I'm in a strip bar. It's lunchtime, mate. What's going on? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, for everybody that's never been to Newcastle on a night out, it's a really good night out. And that's coming from a Sunderland supporter. Yeah, I really enjoy my nights out in Newcastle. It's a fantastic place to go drink in. Um, It's generally very friendly. When you do see anybody having any arguments, it's generally locals only, arguing between themselves. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a really good uh, night out. And hopefully we'll get a decent amount of people up there and Like I said, with it being a weekend, you, you can you can pick and choose whether or not you come up on the Saturday morning and make a full weekend of it, or just come up on the Sunday for the Sunday night Super Bowl game. Um, either one is fine. Um, obviously, the, the Saturday night will probably just be a social night, um, rather than football-orientated. But obviously, because it's going to be a load of 49er fans, we'll, we'll be sat around talking football anyway. And
0: the Metro's pretty so, easy to get around as well, isn't it?
1: Oh, the Metro's dead easy to get around. In fact, you don't yeah. need the Metro. I mean, Newcastle's not that big of a place. Yeah. And you have certain areas where all the bars and restaurants are, and it's dead easy to just walk around those. Um, So, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, and I'll post those details as soon as I can. Excellent. So one more thing, I just want to give a shout-out to David Neve. Now, you'll have seen the picture of the tattoo I posted in the group page. That tattoo belonged to David Neve, and, and that was an unbelievable tattoo. The the quality of it was absolutely fantastic, but what got me was the fact that he had the 49er Faithful UK flag on it. That left me absolutely gobsmacked. It was fantastic. So David is actually new to the group. Um, He's not really an internet type of guy, in in his own words. He, he generally doesn't go on Facebook or anything like that, but he started to go on Um His son's a Bucks fan, and he brought his son along. So I think he was the only one that left from the night feeling happy. Um, But, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout-out to David, David, who travelled all the way up from Norwich for the game. Um, Tattoo was great, and the fact that you've come up from Norwich was absolutely fantastic as well. Hope you really enjoyed it. Right, guys, that's it for the week. Um, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week to discuss what happened in Seattle. Thanks a lot,
0: guys. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner deep part. Here's it stiff Still going 99. Don't get it twisted, want it all with prime time. John Teller Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB greatest on the up all time groove. Walter Bill better check all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget.